Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... This life is going to expire one day, right? This life is not for... Unless you're here for the rapture, your life is going to end one day. You want to end like this. You want to end where people can look back over your life and say, God was faithful to the Lord. That's all you can look back at Samuel and say, there's a record of that man's faithfulness to the Lord. I do a lot of funerals. And it's a blessing, it's rare, but it's a blessing when you do a funeral for saints, that long-term saints, that it just, they've been doing it right for a long time. It's been said that on your tombstone, you've got two dates, your birth and your death. In between is a short little line that represents the life you lived. That little dash stands for all you said and did while you were here on the earth. In today's message, As Pastor Bill looks at the death of the prophet Samuel, we're reminded to consider our own lives. Life is short. When you die, what will you leave behind? What will you be remembered for? Will they be able to say that you were a faithful servant of God? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25, as he begins his message, The Way of Escape. Father, we come before you tonight just thankful, Lord, that you are a good God, and uh, we are thankful to be your people. And fathers, we take time to open up your word now and to study and read through scripture. God, I pray you would bring your word to life. God, I pray that you would speak to us. We believe that the word of God is living and powerful and supernatural. And through it, God, you feed sheep and you give light in darkness and you illuminate things. God, you convict us and direct us and God, we pray that all the things that you want to do tonight by your spirit as we go through your word, we pray you would have your way. Move in the midst of your people. Speak to our hearts as only you can. God, may this be a, an encounter with the living God. May this not be some dead transfer of information. God, may it be life-changing as we spend time in your presence and in your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right. So we are in 1 Samuel 25 and I titled the the message tonight, The Way of Escape. We saw David have a, a, a pretty good, you know, temptation. You know, David has been on the run. He's been being chased by Saul and David, you know, by chance was in a cave with all his his 600 hooligans. And by chance of all the caves in the little area, Saul went into that particular cave to go tend to his personal business. Y'all remember that? He went, he went to go do number two in the cave. So if y'all forgot that. And so David's men said, man, this surely you got him. God has delivered him into your hand. Get him. Let's kill him and get this over with. We don't have to run no more. And David restrained himself. David did cut off a piece of Saul's garment, but David told his men, you know what? I'm not going to stretch forth my hand and touch the Lord's anointed. He acknowledged that God had anointed Saul And it wasn't for him to take him down. It was for God to do. And so David had to restrain himself. And then David had to restrain his men from behaving in that way. And so he did that. He, in essence, David succeeded, right? He had a victory there. So David restrained himself. He didn't take vengeance on on Saul last week. But then today, there's be a new set of circumstances and a new set of temptations and we're going to see that David responds differently. And this might be familiar. Anybody here ever had a victory and then followed up by a failure? 
Over here, you, you did good. You did the right thing over here. You did the, you, made, you, you made the principles list. You did what the Bible said do. And then the next day, something pop up out of nowhere and you, you're like, man, I was, how, what happened? What happened? That's what we're going to see happening in David's life. And this is what you need to know. Sometimes the enemy will hit us one, one temptation and you, you get the victory. Well, Satan's going to try something else. And it could be the world, the flesh, or the devil. We got to always be on guard. And so I titled the message, The Way of Escape, because even though David gets tempted and David is on his way to, to do harm, uh, God is going to give David this little window to get out. And the Bible tells us, and we'll see it later on, that, you know, God also makes a way of escape for us. Don't, we never have to blow it. Whenever you succeed at sinning, you, you pass every opportunity to not in order to get there. Amen. All right. So with that, uh, let's look at verse one. First Samuel 25, verse one. It says, then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. So this chapter opens, letting us know that Samuel has had a long ministry. We began the book of first Samuel with Samuel's mother, who was barren, praying that she could have a child. Remember that? And the priesthood was in trouble. God wanted a man of God. Eli was messing up. Eli's sons were tearing up in the temple. And God told Hannah as she prayed and cried out to the Lord, I'm going to give you a son. And she made she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you all the days of his life. This is the fulfillment of that word. Hannah said, God, I'm going to give him back to you. If you guys remember, as soon as Hannah finished uh, weaning him, when she was done nursing him, little bitty dude, she took him on down to the temple and left him there. And he grew up there in the house of the Lord. Samuel is one of the characters in scripture for which we don't see any flaw. We don't see any clear error. The one thing you might see is he didn't seem like he did a good job raising his own kids, but we don't see him ever blow it or ever fall short. He, he was faithful to the Lord all the days of his life. He was a faithful prophet. He was a faithful to speak forth the word of God, even in difficulty. Um, he was faithful to deal with knuckleheads like Saul when Saul didn't kill Agag, the king of the Amalekites, Samuel said, give me a sword, man. And he hacked him on up and did it. Did what Saul didn't do. Solid man of God his entire life. Well, he dies here. And so uh, this brings an end, right? This was the prophet who anointed Israel's first king, Saul. And he also anointed Israel's future king, David. But he was no more. He was so revered that all of Israel gathered together at his home in Ramah to mourn over him. And so this is the end of a life. And this reminds me, and I just want to say it to us. Everybody here is going to this life is going to expire one day. Right. This life is not for unless you're here for the rapture. Your life is going to end one day. You want to end like this. You want to end where people can look back over your life and say, God was faithful to the Lord. That's all you can look back at Samuel and say there's a record of that man's faithfulness to the Lord. I do a lot of funerals and it's a blessing. It's rare, but it's a blessing when you do a funeral for saints, that long term saints that are just they've been doing it right for a long time. It's a blessing. Um, a lot of funerals you do. You really don't know. Um, everybody wants you to put folk in heaven, you know, and um, but you some funerals just like I don't I don't I don't do it. I don't I don't put them in hell. I, I just say, look there. I say they're in eternity. And this is what they would definitely want you to know. Because you can't put everybody in. It's not true, right? I don't know if they knew the Lord, didn't appear that they did. There's no evidence or no fruit. You know, we just hoping that that one time in kindergarten when they prayed, it worked. And so make sure you live a life, y'all, that I want people to be confident. 
That, that he is with the Lord, man. He served the Lord, walk with the Lord. I know now he is with the Lord. Those are sweet funerals. I love to get to, you know, encourage others with that because this, that's when we can encourage one another. Amen. And so here uh, Samuel is gone. He's entered into eternity. He's served well his time on earth. And so David now, after Saul's death, David got to mourn for a little bit. And then David got to get right back on the run. And so David and the men that were with him, they went down into the wilderness of Paran. So they got a little bit further away from where Saul houses himself at. So uh, I just want to remind you, David is still on the run. A few things here to note about the end of Samuel's life. When Samuel died, it was the end of the judges, right? Samuel was the last judge as well. So now Israel is no longer, a, now they're a monarchy. Now they're going to have kings from now on. They were first governed by God. Then they had the judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. And now they have the kings. They're a monarchy. They have kings that are going to be reigning over them. We know that it's never going to be as good as it was when God was ruling over them. Right. And we need to know that today. Right. We have government today. We have kings, if you will, presidents, leaders. It'll never be like it was when God was ruling and reigning until Jesus is ruling and reigning again. So once you put man in charge of anything, it's never going to quite be what it what it could have been or what it used to be. And so this marks that change. Let's move on now. Look at verses uh, verses two and three. It says now there was a man in the, in Moan. Moan, I'm sorry, whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. Everybody say, but. That means a contrast. That means, so we're saying good things about Abigail, right? She's a, she has good understanding. She's fine. She got beautiful appearance. But that when you got to pay attention to those transitions, that means that whatever we're getting ready to say about this next fella is not on par with what we said about her. But the man, her husband, Nabal, was harsh and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. So few things. So we're getting introduced to these two characters. We're going to have a little bit of a situation go down with them. So we got Nabal and we have Abigail. Nabal is rich, very rich, wealthy. In that culture, you weighed your wealth by your livestock. So he got sheep and he's got goats, thousand goats and hundreds of sheep. Um, he's a rich man. It happens to be the time of year. Um, it says and he was shearing his sheep. So the time of year when you sheared your sheep, that was like harvest times. So you had your people taking care of sheep watching them, feeding them, leading them, taking care of them, your shepherds. And now finally it's payday time. Now it's time to shear. You know, that's what the sheep were good for. You shear all that that fur off of them. And that was worth something. And so essentially it was harvest time for Nabal. So he's getting ready to rake in the dough. And you look at these two and think this is what I think. And I wrote this down. How do you think these two came together? How did a woman, beautiful and of good understanding, we'll see she's a godly woman. How does she end up with this man, Nabal, who, everybody know what Nabal's name means? Fool. Now, think, I want, let me just do this real quick, right? And, and this, you know, in Hebrew, you know, they would often name kids based on some characteristic that they saw right away, you know, or sometimes it was prophetic, but I thought, well, what did they see when this baby came out? They said, fool, <laughs> you know, what, I don't know what they saw. I don't know if it was prophetic. He, he absolutely lives up to the name. 
So it's not false, but something about this guy. Uh, again, I don't know if they had a word from the Lord or something, but who would name their kid? Fool, right? That's that. He came out and they said, man, fool. And that's that's his name, Nabal. And so evil in his doings, it says about Nabal. How does he end up with a woman like, can I just for fun, can I throw this out to you? Quiz time. How does this guy whose name means fool, he lives up to the name, he's evil in his doings and he's harsh. How does he end up with this woman who is beautiful and has good understanding? How do two people like that end up together? It's more likely than not this was an arranged marriage because he, he has money, came from money. So it's, it's more than likely this was arranged. So because, uh, again, it wouldn't make sense for someone a good understanding to marry a fool. Right. So I, so that, don't, that just don't really go together. So it would appear it would appear that this was an arranged situation. And typically arranged marriages, if you were a man of if you have wealth, you can get a fine wife. Today, it's unfortunately today is that way, too. There are women that have married a guy, you know, who got bubble eye mackerel. You know, he got two teeth left, but uh, brother got money. He can marry whoever he want. And um, I just would say this. Right. We want to be careful about marrying somebody based on what they have and not who they are. Amen. We no longer live in a culture where we get put together with people. Nobody's arranging your marriages. I tried to get my my kids when they were little. My daughters told me and then she took it back. She told me, Dad, when she was a little girl, she made it up. She said, Dad, when when I get older, I want you to pick my husband. And I said, how old do you want to be? When, when I she said, when I'm 25, she told me that I could pick her husband, that she was going to name him Bill. <laughs> and I said, boom, I mean, I said, that's the commitment. You know, when, when you get 25, I'll pick them. You will name them and y'all going to get married. And uh, when she got a little older and she took it all back, she, told me, she said, you're not picking my husband. I'm not naming him, Bill. You know, so I enjoyed the, the dream, you know, while it was while it was there. So but in that time of arranged marriages, you know, if you were wealthy, you would arrange that sort of situation. That's more than likely how these two ended up together. And I'm going to say this because maybe someone is married and they're in a situation like this where uh, believers married to someone who is like Nabal, just a difficult guy, not a godly person, uh, a fool, if you will. Uh, it could be a man married to a woman like this, a woman married to a man like this. What do you do in that sort of situation? Hang in there. Hang in there. That's what you do. That's what she did. Works out for her. That's what you do. Just you hang in there. So, I, I mean, he seemed bad enough to leave. But she didn't leave. She hung in there and the Lord dealt with it. So um, let's move on. Let's keep going. Look at verses uh, four through nine. Now it says when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. Now, let me explain this. Uh, Well, I said already the shearing of sheep meant that it was harvest time. So David, we're going to find out David and his men have been providing protection for Nabal's shepherds. And so David and it was customary in that time, if you did this, that once it was shearing time and the person got paid, that you would say, hey, could you, you know, break us off a little something? Take care. Of, we, we took care of y'all. Take care of us. It was it was customary and it was expected. It was a normal thing. So David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep and quite naturally, David is going to say, oh, well, let's get down there and see if we, we see if we can get something to eat, you know, from this fella. So verse five. David sent 10 young men uh, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, 
Peace be to you. Peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I want to just go step by step. So David is behaving very wisely. David, you know, David got 600 ruffians with him. David could have sent a few ragtag fellas and man, give us what you owe us. You know, he sent 10 young men, very unthreatening. And he goes in peace, a very peaceful. He said, guys, when you get down there, be respectful. Hey, speak blessing, blessing over you, blessing over your house, blessing over all that you have. And so they go respectfully. They go um, they go with, you know, speaking blessing to this man, Nabal. Uh, Verse seven says, now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. So David says, hey, man, we, we took care of your guys out in the field. Ask them. They'll tell you the same. And he's not demanding anything. He says, hey, can we find we we're hoping to find favor in your eyes. It's a feast day from a rich man. It would be nothing for him to break them off a little, feed them and take care of them. He's, he's wealthy beyond measure and he's having payday right now. And so David says, David didn't come when he was broke. He didn't come when it was difficult. David's doing everything as wisely as you could behave. David is behaving wisely. And so he said, let us find favor in your eyes for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. David says, look, my guys, are we behaved as your servants and I'm, I'm as to you a son. Give us whatever comes to your hand. You know, it'd be like if someone came and asked for something to eat and said, okay, whatever you want to give me, I, I'll take whatever you give me. As as humble as you could ask for something. Would y'all agree? And so David has behaved wisely. And I wanted to really emphasize that because the request was wise. It was humble. But the response is going to be uh, the response is going to be very different than the asking. I was trying to teach my son a lesson one time. My son asked me one time we were out. And if I see people that are hungry, asking for food, I typically will. I'll feed people. If I, if I have it, I'll, I'll feed them. We'll give them something to eat or whatever. And but there are times when I say no. And my son said, how come sometimes you say yes? Sometimes you say no. And I'm like, well, it depends. You know, like sometimes people let you know what they really want. Right. If somebody standing, we had a, I said, let me show you. We had a guy asking for food. He was in front of a, we were in a a parking lot that had Starbucks, Wingstop, Panda Express, In-N-Out and Subway. And uh, the guy was asking for something to eat. I said, hey, I'll get you something from Wingstop, Panda Subway or In-N-Out, whichever one you want. We'll get you whatever you want to eat. And the guy said, oh, man, I'm always over here, man. I really want them from over here. I'm going to go down the street to, you know, uh, El Pollo Loco. And I said, all right. I said, well, God, God bless you. You know, I told him, I was like, if my son came home hungry and my wife had made tacos, guess what he's eating for dinner? I told my son, that, he, that brother's not hungry, right? If, it, if we got four choices in front of you. If those aren't good, you, I just need cash in my hand is what I want. I said, hey, he's not really hungry. Somebody really hungry would have took something from one of them four options. And I said, so sometimes that's how you determine that he helped me out. He helped me to know that he wasn't really hungry. He just wanted some money in his hand. And I don't really put money in people's hands unless I feel led to do that. Right. So, so I was explaining that to my son. As I, I look here at David, David is, is asked wisely. It should have been nothing for Nabal to say, they, let me give these guys what they deserve. You know, let me feed them and take care of them. It's really they're part of why I have a, such a, a great harvest time right now. Now, let's look at verse eight. 
Uh, ask your young men, they will tell you. Uh, therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to these words in the name of David, and they waited. So they waited for a response. Verse 10. I'm going to walk you through the insults. First of all, verse 10, Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David and who is the son of Jesse? In our vernacular, we would say, do I know you? That's essentially what he's saying. He said, who, who are you? Do I know you? Now, he definitely knew who David was. Everybody knew who David was. Um, but he's saying, who is David? It, it, here's the interesting. He, he said, who is David, the son of Jesse? Right. I, I know you and your daddy. But who are you? Do I know you? Like, who are you asking me for something? Then he said, there are many servants nowadays who break away from one of his master, uh, break away each one from his master. And so he's basically he knows that David is away from Saul. Saul's trying to kill David. Everybody knows this. So he's basically calling Dave a runaway slave. I wrote in my notes, runaway slave Dave, you know, so or Dave the runaway. See, so he said, man, do I know you? And essentially treating David like just a runaway. You know, you're, you're just running away from from Saul. He says in verse 11, shall I take my bread and my water and my meat. I want y'all to hear the selfishness. He doesn't recognize that everything he has comes from God. He thinks it's all his, right? I want you to note that. God blesses you. God prospers you. God puts things in your hands. You want to always realize I'm a steward of God's stuff. It may be in my possession. It may be in my bank account. It may be in my pocket. It may be in my possession, but everything I have belongs to the Lord and I'm a steward of God's possessions and I got to treat them as such. Um, Nabal doesn't see it that way. Nabal just said, it's all mine. It's not like a little selfish child. Mine, 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 you know. And so he said, look, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shearers and give it to men who I do not know where they are from. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him, all these words. I want y'all to know when David's young men heard this, I know they knew what the response. They said when they said they turned on their heels, they said no words. Let's just get back to David and we'll let him deal with this situation right here. They know they're going to eat. Right. Because it's not that David's asking for a favor. He actually owes him this. David worked up front and now it's time to pay up just a meal, sir. Whatever you feel like giving us for what we've done. And He's basically saying, not going to give you that. I don't know if anybody here has ever worked hard for something and then got told to go home. I'm not going to pay you. Uh, we, had, we had some concrete work getting done at our house one time. And I learned as we were going, the guy that was doing the work was shady. He was doing, I mean, he was doing workers wrong. My wife would tell me, we had multiple times his workers. He had come in the morning, meet the workers, tell them what they're doing and leave. And at the end of the day, his workers are knocking on our door saying, hey, you know where he's at? Can you give us something? Like they were waiting for their, their pay for the day and they were supposed to be a Christian. So, you know, I, I had to get at him. I said, bro, you got to take care of these guys. Well, he did it to one guy. Guy worked all day long, hard work. And then he came up and wasn't going to pay the guy. I saw the talk. I seen that brother picked up a hammer and I said, pay him, pay him for you die in front of my house, man. Pay this man for his day labor. And then, and then you get paid. Don't work for him no more. You know, but it's an upsetting thing to have rendered the service and then afterwards be told I'm not going to take care of you. Not going to not going to do what's required on my end. So would you guys agree that David's anger is justified? Right. I believe that David's anger about what's happened is justified. 
He's rendered a service in good faith. Now he's being uh, he's been insulted. And David's the king, so he sent his men. Uh, it's an insult to have your people. They were disrespected on David's behalf and sent back to him. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.